And welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Oh, hello, Gavin. How's it going, mate? It's going all right. You know what? I think you've done Australian too much. It's the easy one to go to. <laughs> like, my I've go-to. only got two accents, mate. It's this one and this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's you do it well. You do it well. How are you? I, I'm, I'm doing well as well as my accents. Yeah. So for people that don't know, which would be everyone aside from Gavin and I, we had some major technical difficulties this morning. We were supposed to record like... Uh, four hours ago, but uh, we, we seem to have sorted it all out. Uh, and so once again, our apologies about last episode too. We had some major uh, sound issues, very scratchy, very, uh, you know, not up to the quality that we usually like. So uh, we seem to have sorted it all out. Once again, because we record remotely, things can kind of get uh, a little chaotic and the hard part is when we're recording it, the interesting part is it always, when my end is the one messing up, it always sounds perfect as we're recording. Like in the mm-hmm. past with yours, sometimes I can let you know, Hey, it's, you know, we need to adjust some things. But for example, the last one we recorded sounded great. And then it came out just really like blown out and scratchy. So I think this week's episode should be better. I think I lost you there for a second. Speaking of technical difficulties. You're joking. Can you hear me now? I can hear you just fine. Oh, so. weird. Weird. <laughs> I jinxed us. Oh, crap. Everything, everything's got to be fine. <laughs> Anywho. So, yeah, here we are. Uh, we're going to be talking about a very interesting film today. But uh, right out the gate, let's see here. Do you have any martial arts movie news, my friend? Uh, well, what day does this podcast hit it hits after tuesday doesn't it well you know what i'm gonna try to drop it at the beginning of the week since we had to miss last week's so we're gonna try to drop it on monday let's say that all right all right well in that case i believe that our uh our friend or our uh i don't know if you would call him colleague but fellow podcaster uh jeff will be doing a live interview with isaac florentine on uh, youtube on tuesday Jeff Vita from Kung Fu Driving Podcast? Yeah. Whoa, I I hadn't heard about that. That's exciting news. Yeah, yeah, I I saw a post on uh, Twitter, and uh, that's happening. So Tuesday, I'll send you you the information so we can attend. Heck yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing that, Jeff. Salamapo. Okay, very cool. Uh, So what else? Uh, Oh, some Blu-ray announcements. So there's going to be 88 films announced that there's going to be a U.S. release of the entire In the Line of Duty uh, series. So that includes Yes, Madam, Royal Warriors, In the Line of Duty 3 and 4. So that's exciting, uh, especially because then I won't have to necessarily order it from the U.K. Uh, So that's cool. Big news. Uh, martial arts movie front uh, not much going on or action cinema I mean Black Adam drops it this weekend I'm probably going to go see that tomorrow so uh, that'll be interesting I'm, I'm sorry to say this past week uh, the Lamley in uh, Santa Monica I'm not sorry to say this uh, was playing Accident Man 2 but 
it was at 3.05 p.m. and I just couldn't get out to the theater to, to watch it. The one day I could have was Thursday. And by the time I looked at my watch, it was 3.15. Well, so the, I missed I missed its theatrical play in Santa Monica, California. Damn. I mean, that is, and that's the cool thing about L.A. is movies like that will get a, a short little theatrical release. And obviously nowhere uh, in Fresno was playing it. But I wanted to watch it last weekend because that's when it came out. But it was not streaming on anything except for... I want to say like Apple TV or whatever. Uh, one of the, yeah. the, like the one I don't have. Now I check this weekend. It's available to rent on Prime and so forth. Yes. So maybe uh, we will watch that this weekend. I've heard nothing but good things. The trailer looks amazing. That action sequence they dropped with uh, Andy Long Yun uh, looks incredible. Just like a step above. Even like I love the first accident man and the fight scenes in that were great, but they were very much kind of. <clears throat> You know, that um, straight to video, shorter 20 day production that really only Scott Atkins can pull off because he's so good. Right. But even still, they don't get as much time with the fight scenes as they'd like. I mean, that's something he said numerous times. This film. Wow. Just looks. It looks great. Yeah. It it looks a step above uh, the usual uh, films that we still really like. So I have a feeling I'm going to be blown away by this movie. Yeah. I I was hoping to see it. And I'm just. uh Hopefully the Lamley will uh, bring it back for one more 3.05 p.m. screening and I will be there. Well, I give you my word. I think we both know that Scott Atkins listens to this podcast and he's going to be disappointed in you. As he should be. Yeah. Speaking of which, he he made the run on some of uh, the other uh, podcaster and YouTubers channels to promote the film. So he was on Bruce Willow's. Uh, which I watched that interview. That was great. Him and Bruce Willow had Mm -hmm. uh, some funny discussions. Uh, uh, That was a lot of fun. Uh, They even showed the clip from No Retreat, No Surrender, where uh, Mm -hmm. Van Damme kicks our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. And for the record, he did not knock out Petey. I asked Petey, I was like, yo, so the internet rumors, Van Damme knocked you out with that kid. Son, he didn't knock me out. There's no knockout, no. No. And the interesting part is when they're talking about it, Bruce Willow says, oh, yeah, he knocked him out there. And then Scott Atkins says, oh, I don't know, mate. He doesn't look like he's knocked out. Like, And I'm like, aha. <laughs> there we go. But according to Petey, he was not knocked out. So I got I to gotta take my sensei's word. As we all should. As we all should. Uh, any other news? Uh, nothing that I can really think of off the top of my head. Uh, just once again, fantastic that Eureka Films, 88 Films, these companies are just constantly releasing these Blu-rays and people are buying them, which just means we're going to get more and more, which is amazing. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see the type of uh, respect these films are getting with yeah. these releases. Oh, actually, huge news. Uh, we have officially confirmed... Oh. Yes. That the Martial Arts Mania podcast will be at LA Comic Con this year. So, the weekend of December 2nd, we will have a booth at LA Comic Con. What that includes, no idea. We've never done this before. So, but we will be inside. Yeah, but we will be inside and we will have a booth. And what will ha- that booth contain? Just hopefully a banner. <laughs> like, I don't know why I, even, I was just like, you know what? F it, let's do it, man. And then as soon as I like confirmed and they're like, all right, payment information, blah, blah. I'm like, wait a minute. 
Oh crap, we've never done this before. So we're hoping to at least be able, uh, so one of our main partners, the Union Designs, hopefully we'll also be uh, you know, having a bunch of their shirts and gears. They do a, a bunch of awesome t-shirts. Like a majority of my wardrobe is either Roots of Fight or uh, the Union Designs. So hopefully we'll have some Union Designs gear we're selling uh, and we'll just be there hanging out, probably recording uh, with whoever comes by, whoever swings by. So anybody in the Los Angeles area, if you're going to attend LA Comic Con, we will be there all three days because you had to buy the booth for, for all three days. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. So we will be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I thought, yeah, man, cool. Looks Saturday and Sunday. It's like, no, nah, you got to do it all three days. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, but well, that includes parking, right? No, nah, it doesn't include parking. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that includes the Wi-Fi hookup, right? No, nah, it doesn't include. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is LA. That's the funny part. I asked just to ask, but I knew what the answer was going to be to every question. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no. So hopefully we can actually park at your work, maybe uh, like drop everything off go park the car at your work and then mm-hmm. walk back we could do that how yeah because the, the walk to the staples center isn't that far from you right it isn't that far or we could hop on a train and take uh, go one stop yeah so uh we've got options we've got options that's uh yeah but otherwise uh do you have any movie quotes today indeed i do oh you are prepared indeed i so do. let's go let's start with the easy one easy one yes sir those are your emotions acting without the benefit of intellect. Oh, that's not an easy one. Uh, well, I, I know that quote, but it's easier. Easier than the next one? Jeez Louise, yeah. man. You just wanted to make me feel dumb today. Okay. Uh, oh, say it again. Say it again. Let me close my eyes. Do you want me to give you the, the, the lines that lead up to it? Yes. Yeah, right. I'm supposed to trust you. Trust your instincts. My instincts are to wax your ass all over this floor. Those are your emotions acting without the benefit of intellect. Oh, man. It's like the funny part is I swear it just flashed. Like when you have a word on the tip of your tongue, I swear it like flashed in my head. And uh, uh, mm. there's, a, there's one more line that leads up to the start of all that. Okay, give me that line. You need the passengers. I need the plane. Put me back on board. Oh, okay. And the passengers will be released. <laughs> Passenger 57. Dang it. And that was a really good Bruce Payne uh, impression. That's why I was like, who is this supposed to be? Okay. Got it. Very good. Passenger 57. Uh, excellent movie that we will hopefully review one day. Yes. So the the, the, the next quote uh, is in in line with Bruce Payne. Another uh, sociopathic villain. Okay. Profanity is a brutal. Uh, redo. Mm-hmm. Profanity is a brutal vice. Let yeah. me pull it a little closer to me. That, that's all right. You already know it. Blood and bone. Uh, this is the hard one. No, that was easy. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that you reversed them this time, my man. That Blood and Bone is I easy. I thought that, this would be the harder one. I think no, simply because I've watched Blood and Bone more times as like a, almost like one of our Kung Fu comfort films. It was on your list last time. And yeah, especially when I was in China, because that one came out while I was in China and I got a DVD of it. And so remember, I didn't have regular TV or streaming services, really. Occasionally, if my VPN was working well, I can maybe get some Netflix. So I used to watch just movies a lot and that was definitely one i put on plenty of times so that's probably why but well the full quote is profanity is a brutal vice he who uses it 
is not a gentleman. Yeah, you know, I always found that kind of contradictory simply because he was like a drug dealer and forcing his uh, enslaved mistress he, he, to do like crack cocaine and stuff. And I'm like, really? Yeah, You're worried he, he about people swearing? Yeah, it's... But I figured sociopathic villain, let, let's go with that theme. And I thought Bruce Payne would be easier because of... Uh, I don't know. Because yeah. it's so memorable. Yeah, it is it's definitely memorable. Uh, definitely. Uh, but both good quotes. Excellent. Good job. I like them. So, uh, any other notes before we get into talking about our movie today? As uh, George Herschel Walker Bush once told Bill Clinton and Ross Perot, let's get it on. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. And then as Nothing Jed like Bush topical. once said, clap. <laughs> Okay. Please clap. Yeah, please clap. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about uh, the brand new, or at least 2021, I believe was the actual release date, but just recently released on our favorite app, Haya, the Japanese action thriller, A Janitor, directed by Yugo Sakamoto and starring... Uh, I'm going to butcher these names, so help me out here. Uh, Seiji Fukushi as Fukami, and then uh, Haruka Imo. Uh, and I honestly can't remember what her name uh, was in the film. So the problem is, because it's a relatively newer release and it's Japanese, like you go on to IMDb, none of the actors have a picture on there nor their character's name. So you wait for the credits at the end and it's all in Japanese. So for me, I couldn't really line up or verify who was who and like the actors and it was definitely difficult. So while we're having this conversation, we're probably just going to more refer to them as either the character's names if I know them or their like place in the story. Mm -hmm. Because even when it came to like trying to figure out who the action director was or the fight choreographer, I... I couldn't look any of that up. And unfortunately, the end credits are in Japanese. So, uh, yeah. No, it, it, yeah, it, it's hard to follow the, get, get all the details down, but, uh, getting the spirit of the film down and talking about the characters is something I think we can definitely do. Most definitely. Uh, but I, I, I I definitely had that. Yeah, I was trying to do research before the uh, before our podcast recording as well, and I was trying to read the characters and trying to uh, phonetically guess the names. And if you, uh, when I say read the characters, I mean the kanji characters, trying to guess the the what the names were to align them with the right character. But uh, I was unsuccessful in in a lot of that endeavor. And that's okay. That's okay because I you. was even Thank less you. successful. So basic premise. Premise of the plot goes as follows. Pretty much, there's a mafia boss who has a daughter. She's like in high school. So he puts his number one assassin undercover as the janitor of the high school to keep an eye out on her. This same janitor has been raised since childhood by the mafia's boss because their dads were like sworn blood brothers and the janitor... Dad was murdered, so the other boss took him in as a child, raised him to be his number one killer. And now he's his number one killer slash the bodyguard for his daughter. So he is a janitor by day and Japan's most lethal Yakuza assassin by night. A wonderful way to use your resources. Personally... I don't know if I would have hired a, an assassin to protect my daughter because they should specialize in assassinations, not 
life protection. This is true, but at the same time, if an assassin is coming after his daughter and he needs someone to kill that assassin, you hire Ryan Ryan that you hire Ryan Reynolds, a hitman's bodyguard. Oh. 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 I thought you no, were going to say you hire Ryan Gosling, the gray man. Oh. Have you watched the gray man yet? No. You need to give it a watch because part of his job is like, it, there's like a backstory where he was temporarily a bodyguard for a young girl. So it's actually pretty comparable to this. Nope. Oh, good to know. I'll good, give it a yeah, shot. Yeah, it's, it's a good flick, good flick, good flick. But anywho, back to a janitor. So interesting picture. It's, uh, and you, once again, so when it comes to our appreciation of Japanese cinema, like obviously due to your growing up in Japan, I feel like you have a lot more knowledge. We both appreciate like, high-end Japanese cinema or, you know, art house. Uh, obviously, like when I was an undergrad and doing film school, you know, I watched, uh, obviously everybody uh, watches films like, uh, you know, Kira Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai or Rashomon or uh, and a bunch of those. And then Yojimbo, stuff like that. Uh, you know, watching films like Tokyo Story. Uh, mm-hmm. And then from my youth, though, even before that, I, as I've mentioned, I've been very into, you know, Sonny Chiba, one of my childhood heroes, adult heroes, one of my greatest inspirations of the martial arts. Uh, you know, he put me on the path of, you know, when I was a young adult, like doing Shorinji Kempo, being so interested in, which then led to kickboxing and so forth. So I grew up loving like Japanese karate films like that a lot of people don't even know exist. Uh, and once again, a lot of those are getting releases. So we're talking about the Street Fighter series, Sister Street Fighter, etc. In more recent years, you know, I've gotten, uh, especially through HBO Max, I've gotten to watch a lot of classic Japanese cinema from the 70s. You know, the whole uh, Lone Wolf and Cub series, which I love, you know, Lady Snowblood, which we were talking about before when we were uh, discussing Angela Mao's Broken Oath. Uh, so, I mean, I am knowledgeable of Japanese cinema, but you are much more knowledgeable of like even your reference to this film. Uh, you were telling me it reminded you of another uh, director and his style. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I think there's so many uh, lanes in Japanese cinema. Uh, you know, there obviously there's the art house, there's the mainstream, there's the, the big epic episodic films. There are also a lot of uh, series or serials. Uh, that were released throughout the years. Sometimes they were like Chambara films. So like that kind of like samurai, but yet kind of like cut them up kind of films. Uh, there's the Yakuza films. There's the zone, the area where Yakuza and samurai films would overlap. Mm-hmm. There are some beautiful films that were shot. Uh, when we were talking about the, a janitor, I said, it really makes me long to watch uh, Hideo Gosha films. Uh, Hideo Gosha is one of the most, he had one of the bigger budget, budgeted uh, bank, I guess basically his films were bankrolled mafia, Yakuza, Chambara, and Samurai films. I personally love 100 in the Dark and The Wolves. For those of you, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, those are the two films I love to go to uh, because they kind of do overlap the Yakuza and Samurai Zones uh, film films. Uh, it's hard to say that a janitor is like a Gosha film, but it made me, like I said, long for watching a Gosha film. 
uh, when I'm watching a janitor, what came to mind is my appreciation that there are these different lanes in the Japanese film industry for smaller films to exist. Now, obviously, we have straight to video, straight to streaming, uh, lower budget indie films over here in the West as well and throughout the world. But there almost seems to be like uh, production studios in place for these lower budgeted films, almost like we have like Asylum over here in America, which would release like films like Sharknado and and (laughs) those kind of like exploitive films. But in Japan, you have like these these production houses that are almost like training grounds right. for these films. And maybe, maybe uh, an actor or two get or fight choreographer, cinematographer, director move up the ranks uh, from one lower lane into these upper echelons. I think, and I think you make an excellent point. So that, or sometimes even in between the big projects, they work on these little ones, you know, cause in yes. Japan, obviously their film industry isn't as busy as say Hollywood. So it gives them the chance to keep working. Uh, and it's interesting. You bring up like the exploitive films like Sharknado and stuff. Uh, whereas here, like this film is not an exploitive film, nor is it trying to be a, a comical or anything. But the interesting part is there are those Japanese ones that do do that, right? Like that yes. have more of that exploitive nature. But I feel like they still almost take the filmmaking more serious as opposed to something like a Sharknado. Like we may get a, Absolutely. Bush- a Bushido man, which has a lot of those crazy exploitive elements, but it's still at the end of the day, like a, a really solid, well-made like action picture. And then uh, even other ones from like, like a decade before. So ta- we're talking late 2000 like how do you break it up now first decade of the 2000s right you got a lot of uh those films like high kick girl which starred like uh mm-hmm. rena taketa not like it did star rena taketa who is a pop singer but also a short and ryu black belt in real life so really good uh and then uh co-starring uh tatsuya naka who's a very famous shotokan karate master like master you know he's a shotokan karate kumite champion and the world champion in the mm-hmm. early 90s and he's one of those guys that i can just watch do katas all day he's that good and in the films they've done he's also that co-star of Kurobi, a black belt uh yep and in the like in high kick girl uh and uh what was the other one uh she did uh karate girl like he's in both of those mm-hmm. and his sequences just uh i think high kick girl he has a lot more but when he does his uh fight sequences it, it's almost just like uh like one steps in Taekwondo or Bunkai, like the practical application of the katas. And it's just so beautiful that the fights turn like out amazing. Uh, but these are kind of the, those films that you can tell are more of that low to middle range budget, but they're still made with so much class, you know, so much heart. It, it's like a high end student university films. Yes. It's, it's, you have people trying to experiment and also show that, Hey, we can fit within this mold, but yet, there's like a budget place for it. It's, it's basically, it's it's almost like a studio system, really, where people are working their way up uh, into into the other lanes of uh, of filmmaking in Japan. So, like like I said, I think when we were texting about this, I just really appreciated that there was a lane for this film to be made. Yeah, but. Uh- and I think you make an interesting point. So the difference is from these like previous films I was talking about from 2010, we'll say like, you know, uh, first to beginning of the second decade of the 2000s, those uh, like film quality wise were still great. This one looks a lot 
crisper. It looks a lot more professional simply just because in the advent of technology and so forth. But uh, one thing that I think this movie didn't necessarily do as well as even some of those earlier ones is, uh, and that's not to say because this, it's kind of the similar, like we've already reviewed Hydra, another recent Japanese one where that we talked about how incredible some of those fight scenes were. There's baby assassins, which we're going to be discussing later in this episode because it's connected mm-hmm. to this film that had some incredible action sequences. I feel like this one, the action sequences fell a little short uh, they're really, yes. it's mostly all in the finale. So it's a very long extended finale, but I feel like there was something missing in the fight scenes that some of the other more recent ones that I mentioned, like Hydro baby assassins. And then we go back like 10 years, like movies like Bushido man, which had incredible fight sequences, uh, you know, black belt, uh, high kick girl. This film was, was maybe missing something there, but maybe even compared to some of its other contemporaries, like pacing of the story was maybe a little bit better here. It looked slick, good production value, good uh, acting, some of it over the top, but you know, it fits the story. But I just, I, I guess I was a little, cause I rewatched the finale this morning just to make sure. And I guess I was okay. a little disappointed in the action sequences. How, how did you feel? I think that's entirely fair. It didn't feel like there were jump cuts or it wasn't suffering from what a lot of mainstream films suffer from, but there was just a little, there was maybe a little too much cheating here and there in the camera work or in the editing. And it might actually, as I reflected on this film compared to say baby assassins, it felt like it it either lacked a little originality or it lacked emotional content. Both. Uh, Yeah. Because it didn't, it didn't, uh, sometimes we'll we'll forgive a film if it has one of those two and this one in places just felt scientific well yeah and not I, artistic I, I don't recall ever seeing uh seji fukushi i'm probably saying his name wrong in anything else and i don't know if he is a martial artist or stunt guy he may just be an actor and maybe mm-hmm. that's why because for being like the most lethal assassin and so forth he doesn't do anything that really demonstrates him being like a back or lack of a better term, a badass, right? So we don't really get to see him cut loose. He doesn't do any crazy kicking. He doesn't do. And that's why a lot of his fight sequences uh, are just very kind of bland and back and forth, back and forth, you know, or it's like the, the, the other assassins getting the best of him. And then he finds a way to kill them at the end. And it's kind of like, really, this dude's the best. It it seems more like he's maybe the luckiest. (laughs) Right. Well, I think, I think, as I watched that sequence, for me, uh, the best stuff was was when the assassins were fighting other assassins. So, a, a group, a grip, a group of uh, assassins are hired to go in and kill this best assassin and then kidnap the girl. Yeah. Oh, so and yeah, yeah. A little, little bit of uh, uh, we'll go back a little bit. So pretty much the mob boss. Uh, there's a coup, right? Uh, led by the mob boss's uh, uh, disowned son, and pretty much they decide to have the mob boss killed. They uh, they have our top assassin guy that works for him. They get him to try to do it. Since spoiler, uh, the mob boss actually killed his dad. Uh, he doesn't really have the heart to do it. So one of the other assassins does. He kills that assassin, and then the mob boss asks him to finish him off, and so he does. So. The mob boss's dying wishes, you know, keep protecting my daughter. So he goes to protect the daughter. The disowned son sends a group of assassins to kill the janitor 
and kidnap the his sister because they need her to open up a safe or something. They never really quite explained that. So pretty much the finale is set at the high school. It's like on a weekend day when there's not supposed to be that many people there. There's only a few students and staff. And pretty much a group of assassins swarm the school to kill the janitor assassin and kidnap the girl. So that's the setup for the finale where pretty much all the action is. So that's why there's just all this kind of nonstop, like he has to take off, take on each one. And I think you make a really good point because the better stuff is actually, uh, that doesn't feature our protagonists. In fact, I think like one of the best little bits is two of the assassins are, yeah, are these like kickboxing, uh, goons, Mm -hmm. like in all Adidas trackwear and stuff there, they're kind of funny and they actually fight the, the daughter, the, the mafia boss's daughter's uh, boyfriend, his name's Hiro, and he's played by Masayuka Ino. He's one of the only guys that I could find in English the name in whatsoever. And they have kind of like a back and forth, really good uh, scrap. In fact, his character reveals earlier in the movie that he does karate, but he's only a white belt. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like right out the gate, he gets punched. It looks like he gets knocked out and you're like, oh, okay. But then he gets up and they... And then he schools one of the guys. So that's actually like the best little fight sequence. The interesting part is when I was watching the movie, I instantly thought, man, this guy looks like a Kyokushin fighter. Like just from his physical appearance, he has that freaking like Bushido essence. And I don't know if it's just the way he looks, but he looks like one of those very stoic, like I'm a badass. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they could, if they couldn't get him for the whole film or what, but the the sequence where they run into each other in the hallway, the two Adidas wearing assassins and this kid, and he takes his, uh, I think he has a hoodie on or a jacket yeah, he, on. He, takes he takes his earring off? He takes his earring off. Yeah. So he takes something off. When he takes his earring off, you see his back and I'm like, oh, this guy's this guy's an actual martial artist or fighter. And then they knock him out. And at that point, I'm like, wow, that was, uh, that seems like a waste of talent. But then, of course, he gets back up, and it's it's a, it turns out to be a nice cheat edit there. Yeah, uh, but it's it's a really nice sequence. Is it worth watching the whole film? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. No, and but, I, I yeah. because even when rewatching <laughs> it now, they do a little bit of like kind of rapid editing and stuff, and yeah, it, it almost feels like this one was shot on a, a much faster and possibly even lower budget than say like Hydra or Baby Assassins. Uh, because yes. first of all, they do the, the brilliant setup of having like the finale all in one place, a raid setup, as I call it, like it's all, you know, at the high school and everything. And the, the sequences just, they just aren't as intricate. Uh, there's a, like a lot of jump cuts and, you know, they do good, a good job with it, but it's sort of like, it's like a cheating tactic to yeah speed up it, the sequences. It, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's set in a school. It could be like a battle royale mm-hmm. type of film. It doesn't. It it doesn't uh, live up to uh, the promise of the film. But there are some nice segments in there, and there are there is a nice double cameo as well. That's right. So uh, we have when the assassins are all called uh, to you know come and kidnap the the daughter and kill the janitor. And we're just going to call him the janitor. Uh, we see them all receiving their phone calls and two of the assassins are the stars of Baby Assassins. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you get to watch it? I did get to watch okay. it. Okay, so yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, there will not be a sequel to Baby Assassins, but which it really disappointed me because uh, I, I figured somehow they would have them live. Like, So they get their phone calls and they're part of the assassins that show up and uh, 
yeah, spoiler alert, they get killed by the janitor. Uh, but the, it, like when you go, oh, so you watch Baby Assassins, right? Baby Assassins really only has two action sequences. The opening one, which is technically like a dream sequence. And then the finale, mm-hmm. both of those are done so well, right? Like so incredible. And I think that has to do with the fact, uh, that they had, uh, what's his face from, uh, Hydra as, uh, the, uh, the co-star, yeah, as like, as like the villain co-star, right? Right. So, and I'd imagine he was probably involved with the action as well. Uh, the same yes. guy that was also in Bushida Man. I thought I wrote down his name. Uh, I, I've changed offices for our listeners who can't see me. And I'm trying to turn over my book because I'm a uh, long story short. I thought I wrote down his name as well. Yeah, what the heck? Hold on. Is it uh, Masa? Masanori Mimoto. Thank you very there much. There we go. Yeah, I did write it down. I don't know why I put a weird hyphen and I'm like, what the hell is that? But yeah, so he's not in this one, but in uh, Baby Assassins, he's like kind of the lead henchman. And I feel like uh, as far as I could find, and I looked it up on IMDb, he had no involvement in this movie. So uh, yeah, and so obviously even their sequence, the Baby Assassin sequence, as they're fighting uh, the janitor, just isn't as good as the stuff from the other movie. Uh, it's, it's also a slightly contradictory to the characters, not fully, but I feel that, uh, so I watched a janitor first, then a baby assassins. I felt like obviously the characters in baby assassins were fleshed out more. This one, it almost feels like, Hey, here are two big stars on the set. And so we're just going to let them improvise a little, but yeah. Then, then they get their Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid moment. Yeah, more or less. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess that was a little disappointing. And the fact that they both uh, die. Who knows? Maybe they'll try to... Well, I mean, one of the... Well, technically, we didn't see the first one get shot. And then maybe he didn't actually break the other one's neck. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they can live. They can he, live. Chiroprat, but, he was just doing a neck adjustment. Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, yeah, so I, I guess, uh, I don't know, even rewatching the finale, I guess I was a little disappointed in this film simply because of the stellar sequences we got out of Baby Assassins and Hydra. Now, Baby Assassins as a film, and we may even just decide to do a whole episode on it, is really, it's not actually, even though it's those two stellar action sequences, I, I um, as I think I may have said to you after I watched it, it's a, it's actually a, dark workplace comedy disguised as an action picture because that's really what yes. it is it's like an office space type movie uh that hap- that you know happens to have uh these action sequences in it but baby assassins overall as a film i really i enjoyed it but i feel like the pacing it was almost like too long they went on with some sequences for too long. And are you talking about you're back to the baby Assa- no baby assassins? I'm talking oh, about okay. baby assassins. Like, cause I, I liked the setup and I liked the, the comedy and the real life workplace, you know, elements and like the drag of a nine to five and this and that. But I feel like sometimes they, they took things a little too long. It could have been more condensed. This one obviously it, I- has the shorter running time, a janitor, but in retrospect now, I guess it gave me a newfound appreciation for baby assassins. Uh, You know, because of the order I watched them in. Right. uh, I I just really, really appreciated baby assassins. And yeah, there, there might be a few places that if I were, if baby assassins were ever to make it into a comfort film list, it won't. But if it were, 
there's sequences I would definitely skip, but watching it through the first time, I really kind of appreciated the the pacing, even the end credits where they're just kind of sitting on the couch reading a magazine and and on their phone. Uh, I you know I was more apt to to watch it. It, it definitely had a uh, very uh, comic book feel to a comic book world to it not 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 marvel comics but japanese uh manga comics yeah and uh it's it's even it's their, their demeanor and appearance absolutely know. and and i i think for me like the there's one sequence in a janitor that really stood out as as manga-esque as original as fun and I think it comes right at the turning point when, as as AJ discussed, the the estranged son uh, assassinates his father or has his father killed. Uh, he comes back to some people he would collaborate with. There's a sequence where he realizes the people he's going to collaborate with are just going to backstab him. And they're like modern era gangsters. They're no longer... They were like marveling at, wow, you truly are a real gangster. These are more like pencil pusher gangsters. And that was that was a fun original sequence. I got a chuckle out of it. I even uh, recorded a, a little uh, voice memo and sent it to sent it to my sister. And because I, I was like, oh, this is this is a fun, fun sequence. But then then the movie never lived back up to that. Whereas baby baby assassins, you have that that type of humor throughout. Agreed. And so that's why I was saying upon watching a janitor, I feel like the pacing was maybe a little bit better. It, it never had me like, okay, the sequence is going a little long. You know, I, I even though we didn't really have mm-hmm. that much action before the finale, I knew that it was going to lead up to this really big finale. And that's why I was like, all right, cool. I can be patient. I'm enjoying this movie. I'm liking some of the performances are a little over the top, but you know, it works. Uh, but then we get to that finale and it just, it didn't deliver like it should have. Exactly. Like is, you know, like other films that have come out recently out of Japan with a lot of these same people that did deliver in those finales where you're like, holy crap, as I constantly say, worth the price of admission alone. This film it, it, it didn't make up for that. Yes, we got some cool characters like the the brother that's doing the whole takeover who's just a sociopathic like nerd. Yes, you said mm-hmm. like a pencil pushing Yakuza that you don't expect mm-hmm. to be this psycho killer for lack of a better term, uh, but then he is. And so there's all sorts of interesting characters in this film and really had the finale been of the same level as Hydra, as Baby Assassins, this maybe uh-huh. would have been my favorite one of the three, but unfortunately, you know, I think that's, I think that's complete. That's a completely fair assessment because if, if it did live up to that, it, it would, it makes total sense to, uh, have essentially baby assassins passing the torch to a janitor, which then could have launched a, a second film, uh, within that same universe or a third film within that universe. But it, it just fell flat. And where you were saying he gets lucky in these fight sequences, I felt like they were trying to go a little John Wick two or three-ish with some, but it just turns out to, oh, he just grabbed a gun and shot him, got lucky. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whereas like, again, in Baby Assassins, when they're like going through the hallway and it's two on one against a great martial artist and there's a you know a few bullets being shot, it's, it's definitely done in a much lighter vein as well. Whereas this... 
this instead of going where it could go light goes dark like there's that sequence where the where the one assassin's questioning whether this is what he wants to do he was in band and he's playing the piano yeah i felt you know that it's a nice sequence and then it turns in it just goes dark and if you're gonna go dark it doesn't go dark with great action it just it just never it just doesn't live up it like keeps giving us promise and then breaks the promise right the and with these, these style of fight scenes that we've had in these films recently there's there's a level of intensity and speed and power and like a level in the actual technique that's being delivered that seems authentic and that's why they work because what they aren't they don't have the same rhythm as say like a classic Hong Kong fight scene. Jackie Chan always talking about the rhythm, right? The rhythm. But like you watch his, it's like pom, 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 fluidity, pom, pom, the movement of the body. So it's like, you know, like a high level boxer, kickboxer, or, you know, uh, and, and then dance also. It's like there's this rhythm to their series of punches, like a pom, 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 pom. Whereas with these films, it's they don't really have the rhythm. But that's because mm-hmm. it's a different style. It's, uh, it's kind of almost trying to be more realistic in a sense. And it worked in Baby Assassins and Hydra, I think, because the level of the performers, you know, having that martial arts background. I don't know about the Baby Assassins girl, whether she does, but I assume she must because she just did such a, a good job. This film, not only do they not have like the rhythm, they don't have like I just I'm convinced that our star doesn't really have that much of a background because it, it, it just felt like there was something there was a level of uh, authenticity, a level of like heart that was in soul that was missing from the fight scenes where it's just mm-hmm. almost like a punch. Now I punch you and then I punch you and then, ah, and then it, it's just missing. And it's not like, you know, we've had a lot of classic action films that has that style of choreography that works with someone say like Van Damme because all of his movements are so beautiful. He can do just one kick at a time and you're like, Oh, you know, or, yeah. Uh, someone that's a really good power puncher, like a, a Don Lee of recently, you know, uh, of Korean cinema, uh, when he like an unstoppable with his fight scenes, just because he has so much power and explosiveness, the, the, all those different styles and elements that make these kind of fight scenes, the ones here are unfortunately missing and they don't have anything to substitute that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I, th- I, th- think what probably could have made this film better based on who they had in the cast and taking up on what you were just saying is if the boyfriend if there was another uh, uh what do you got twist in the script where the boyfriend turned out to be also be hired by the father and then the boyfriend then is defending everyone we could have had a better fight sequence than it could have been him versus the janitor or if the daughter herself could actually fight that they had cast a martial artist in that role. So when they were going against the baby assassins, he could have helped, uh, she could have helped bail him out of that sequence. But it just seemed like they overly relied on a character who just wasn't believable mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in that final act. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. So overall, I think, uh, uh, and then obviously, so he uh, defeats all the assassins and then it's just the brother left at the end and our janitor is nearly dead. He's been stabbed. He's been shot multiple times. He's lying there on the ground. Uh, the brother's about to shoot and kill him when uh, the janitor sneakily pulls a gun out of another guy, uh, like waistband that's already dead and then shoots the brother and kills him. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the mafia daughter and him are free 
he reveals that he killed the dad and he's like, go ahead and kill me now, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, I'm not like you guys. And then he's like, well, I can't, you know, live, live your life without me. And, you know, pretty much it's, he's left there. We don't know if he dies, but it's, you know, it's kind of up for interpretation. Like, did he die? Did he survive? And then that's the, the ending, right? So, it, I mean, I, I like all that. And I, I liked, once again, the structure of the story. And I liked some of the, the characters we had, especially, you know, the, uh, the the brother who's leading this whole coup and uh there's also a, another character we didn't mention uh a yakuza boss that thinks he's or a young yakuza guy who thinks he's actually leading the coup against mm-hmm. uh the dad and really is the one that does all the dirty work only to be assassinated by the nerdy brother and he's kind and of that, an over over the top yakuza style boss and that's for me. That's the best scene in the film. Yeah, that's exactly. I agree with you. That's uh, it's, it's original. It's fun. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he's he's totally over the top. But you believe it that he's like a like a cracked out you know yakuza yeah. guy. So I mean, overall, what what grade would you give this film? It felt a little heartless. So I'm gonna drop it into the D grade but I usually don't like to do that to a film that is trying something. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they were attempting to try something. It just, maybe they got too deep in their heads and didn't make the adjustments that needed to be made as they were shooting. I said it had to be a high D plus, low C minus. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking C. I was going to give it a C. Yeah. But baby assassins, you know, you might give it, what would you give Baby Assassins? Uh, I need to rewatch Baby Assassins because I watched it when it first came out. So it was like three or four months ago. Uh, but I, off the top of my head, I would probably give Baby Assassins somewhere in the B range. Uh, yeah. And I, I'd be I'd be closer to A if yeah, we're not I was like thinking, grading it on the scale of uh, Coppola and Kurosawa. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like a, a B or B plus uh, for Baby Assassins. Yeah. It would all depend on the rewatch because, you know, the, the action sequence in there, action sequences in there are so good that's why I would need to rewatch it again. But yeah, and then just like, you know, with Hydra, we gave it like something like a high B or low A, maybe, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, uh, well, most, Hydra, Hydra's, Hydra's so good. Yeah, yeah. Most of these these films are delivering on the action at the bare minimum, but, uh, minimum, but are also solid overall pictures. This one, unfortunately, the, the lack of, uh, we're going to say authenticity within the action and fight sequences left us with a lot to be desired and you know what they can't all be winners and we've had so many good releases especially through the Haya app uh, that it's almost like we've got a little spoiled with a lot of these new ones and especially all the Japanese ones so uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what will be coming out in the future uh, on the Haya app uh, they're dropping more and more cool stuff every month we know this I still need to see. I don't think the Miracle Fighters has come out yet. Maybe it got dropped this weekend. That might be a good one for us to do next because it's kind of Halloween themed in the sense of it's like spiritual and like superstition and stuff. Because we definitely need to pick a a movie of that nature for our next film because Halloween is next Monday. It is. Yeah. So we can can drop drop it on Halloween. Drop it like it's hot. Trick or treat. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. So I I was going to say the one thing that, again, going back to a janitor, if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you have a better sense of uh, everything Hong Kong than I do. I believe that on Drunken Master 2, there was an intention to have a different villain as the lead villain. 
And when Jackie Chan saw uh, the martial arts ability of that person, he went to Ken Lo and told Ken Lo to start stretching because they were going to add him on as the lead villain. And I think that if that's true, and I'm just going to pretend that's true for now, a film like A Janitor, when you see there's a limitation with your lead and what you want to do, I think it's okay to throw in a plot twist and make a change so that the movie entertains. Yeah, and I, I think what you're referring to, because I'm not 100% sure, but is the fact that uh, Ho Sung Pak, a Korean American martial arts actor that plays like Ken Lo's sidekick and also is more yes. famous for doing the motion capture for Liu Kang in the original Mortal Kombat video game and you know his face and image. I think maybe that's what you're talking about. I'm not I sure. Actually, I think it was a different character. Oh. I think earlier on he gets defeated on one of the earlier floors. Uh, floor? I'll look it up, but... but yeah, because it, it, early on when they enter, when Jackie enters the the warehouse. But uh-huh. you know what? Let me get my details right. I'll update you by next week's I think podcast. that's, well, the only, he fights the henchmen and then he fights Ho Sung Pak and then he fights Ken Lo. I think, he, the, I think there's one henchman that was supposed, that allegedly, at least that's what I got in the, in my, the press that I read in Japan, which was, again, broken Japanese oh. reading, where someone else was supposed to be the lead and Jackie did not like that person. Or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it that way, but Jackie didn't feel that person was up to the up to snuff and gave like Ken Lo, you have two weeks to start stretching. And then they just eliminated that guy pretty quickly. And then Ken Lo and, and Hosun Park took the, the double villain lead. Interesting. No, the I'm, double henchman lead. I'm curious. I could be wrong, but this is what I thought I, this is not what I thought I read, but this is what I interpreted reading. And again, sometimes I was filling in the gaps as a, as a kid, uh, because I couldn't read f- as fluently as I could speak. Okay, so. so I just found this on IMDb. It says the fight at the end was originally to be Jackie Chan versus Ho Sung Pak, but Ho Sung Pak rep- repeatedly strained his ankle. Instead, Chan had his personal bodyguard, Ken Lo, train intensively for three months to take the part. Okay. So I wasn't that far off, but I guess the whole point of this moral to the story is if Jackie Chan is willing to make an adjustment to close out a film, I think the smaller films should be willing to take risks and make adjustments because I think then a janitor would have been a lot more fun with the boyfriend as the one protecting her in the final sequence. Yeah, I agree. That that could have uh, given us some uh, more action that we uh, like. But uh, hey, anyway, any closing thoughts? Uh, I think we've, I think we've about, uh, we're about to take out the trash on this janitor. Yeah. Sorry. I don't mean to like, don't mean to like rain on this film that hard. Right. I know. You know what? It wasn't my plan either, but Hey, we, we also try to be honest, but you know what? We, we definitely complimented it where it deserved to be complimented. Uh, and you know, we just gave it our honest opinion and we try to do that. You know what I mean? Like quite frankly, we're not going to review a movie we hate because <laughs> we don't want to, yeah. you know, bash anything. Uh, Because you have to appreciate anybody that's really trying. And once again, we know they're trying uh, in this film. But uh, yeah, did you happen to bring any Japanese to teach us with this film? I did. Oh, okay. So, so it's actually got to be one word. Sure. But we're gonna we're gonna break it down. We're gonna go with the most formal, and then we're gonna end with the most cool. All right, let's do it. Okay. So, very first one, very easy. Domo arigato gozaimashita. Domo arigato gozaimashita. Yes, that's thank you very much in the absolute most form. Right. Domo arigato gozaimashita. So we're going to 
take take it down a notch. Okay. We're going to remove the domo and go, arigato gozaimashita. Arigato gozaimashita. Yes, that's still pretty formal. So now we're going to strip it down a little more. Arigato. Arigato. That's thank you. Yeah. But all right. I want to be cool like that crazy cracked out Yakuza guy mm-hmm. in this movie, right? Am I going to go around saying arigato to people? No. I'm just going to be drop the first two syllables. So, domo. 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 You want to be cool. Domo. 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 There you go. Domo. Domo. <laughs> well, you know, even like in Cantonese, they have ngoi and doze, doze, right? Like, and there's two, you know, ngoi is the casual, like someone, a waitress handing your food at a restaurant. Oh, ngoi. Then like doze, doze is like a more formal thank you. In Mandarin, it's really just xie, xie. And, you know, they, they actually used to like give foreigners when I was there, at least they would, you know, or give me crap, like saying, oh yeah, foreigners say thank you too much. You know, it's like, oh, uh-huh. cause it's not sincere. I'm like, no, I, I just, you know, I don't say thank you unless I mean it. Like, I'm just think like, thanks for giving me that, you know, like, but I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, like, I mean, only really you could say like, like if you had a knee instead of knee, you know, like mm-hmm. the more formal, but yeah, it's, it's funny. There really isn't as much, uh, uh, is like thank like an actual like noun like thanks like I think like so that's like to give you thanks if I'm not mistaken but like no one I never like really said that or heard that just but uh, cool I like it Arigato Arigato Okay, so our next episode, we're going to okay. do something kind of Halloween-esque uh, in terms of martial arts, whether it's supernatural, juncture uh, genre maybe, hopping vampires. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what we both have and we, what we can watch. Otherwise, great episode, my friend. I'm glad we got this sorted out, and I will be seeing you next week. Sounds great to me. All right. Peace, baby. <laughs>